Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. On the corner of Center and 9th Streets in the middle of West Oakland, residents are treated to free groceries, hot food, and a bounce house while booming funk and hyphy music fill the air. Four days before what would have been Black Panther Party co-founder Dr. Huey P. Newton's 80th birthday, people gather under an unseasonably hot February sun for a block party. Towering over the tables of clothing vendors and dancers on stilts is a two-story sky blue house trimmed two shades darker and adorned with a mural featuring portraits of the women of the Black Panther Party. Names of the women painted in white wrap around the building, hugging the larger-than-life portraits surrounded by bubble letters reading, the world is our classroom and love is an expression of power we can use to transform our world. A quote from activist, poet, and former Black Panther member Erica Huggins. The first and only woman to have led the party, Elaine Brown, takes the microphone. Love is a wonderful thing, but we have, to be, we have to be grounded in an ideology. And that ideology that the Black Panther Party had was revolution. That means a complete change of this existing scheme, where people are not poor, where we have an egalitarian society. So they... On the other side of the mural's wall is the thousand-square-foot Black Panther Party mini-museum, dedicated to the party's work and legacy. Sage green and beige walls are covered floor to ceiling with newspaper clippings, old posters, and pictures of famous visitors such as Rosa Parks. Oakland, California, the birth city of the Black Panther Party. The ideology and the party's famous 10-point program spread throughout the country, spurring a movement. And it simply says exactly what black people have been crying for for 400 years. One we want freedom. We want power to determine the destiny of our own black communities. Two, we want full employment for our people. Three, we Originally formed by Bobby Seale and Dr. Newton in 1966, who wanted to protect black neighborhoods from police brutality, the party provided a blueprint for what mutual aid and protest could look like for years to come. In 2020, in the midst of a global health crisis, social and racial justice protests brought to the forefront nationwide struggles against racism, police brutality, and systemic oppression. Black history was and continues to be written in real time. 
This Black History Month, Connect the Dots features civil rights advocates with deep ties to the history of the movement. We'll share how lessons from the past can help the next wave of Black activists create solutions for the future. First, we'll hear from Frederica Newton, co-founder and president of the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation, former Black Panther Party member and widow of Dr. Newton about the historic misconceptions of the party. And finally, Justin Scott Douglas, program director at the Black Star Project, will take a moment to talk with us about education and the future of activism and how young leaders are striving to incorporate more intersectionality into advocacy for Black lives. I'm Melissa Kalross, and this is Connect the Dots from Odyssey, a podcast where we draw together multiple perspectives to unpack a single compelling story. This week, activism and the past, present, and future of Black history. Power to determine the destiny of our own Black communities. Two, want full employment for our people. Three, want decent housing for the shelter of human beings. Four, want an end to the robbery the black community by the white racist businessman. Five, want decent education that teaches us about the true nature of this racist, decadent system. Education that teaches us about our true history and our role in society and the world today. Six, want all black brothers to be exempt from military service. Seven, <laughs> seven, we want an immediate end to police brutality and murder of black people. Eight, we want all black brothers and sisters held in federal, county, state, city, jails, and prisons to be released because they have not had a fair trial. They've been tried. They've been tried by all white juries who have no understanding of the average reasoning man in the black community. Number nine, this is where Brother Huey is being caught. We just want the courts to make sure we have peers on the jury, people from the black community, as defined by the Jive Constitution, the so-called United States. The ten summary with the major political objective, that is, we want land, bread, housing, clothing, education, justice, we want peace, the major political objective, we want a black plebiscite, the UN, the black colonial subjects will participate, dealing with, analyzing, Projecting politically upon the racist atrocities that have committed against black people in this nation. With the protests that followed George Floyd's murder by Minneapolis police, car caravans honoring the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and community food drives like the one held the day before the block party all directly stem from the work of groups such as the Black Panther Party and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. The fabulous comrade sister, Carol Granderson. Well, yeah, we did everything. That's the, that's the thing that people really need to understand about the school, about the party, is that anything that got done, we did it. And if you didn't know how to do it, you figured out how to do it. <laughs> Nobody coming to help. There's nobody coming to help. You have to do it if you want to get it done. Black activists have been pioneers in acting real change in the United States to make the country a more equitable place and to shape the way people retaliate against injustices of all kinds. 
Yet, while we glorify some Black figures in our country's civil rights movement, the legacy of others remains clouded in misinformation. And injustice still is a stark reality, from economic disparities to police brutality and stalled action on voting rights legislation. So the fight for justice and the inclusion of joy into Black narratives continues. At the height of the civil rights movement in the 1960s, the Black Panther Party was created in Oakland, California, by two eager college students looking for a platform to remedy injustices imposed upon Black Americans at the time. It also became a safe space for LGBTQ activists, and unbeknownst to many, a place where women helped lead the movement. By 1969, more than 60% of the party was female. Dr. Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale began a movement that eventually spread across the nation to cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, and New York. Dr. Huey P. Newton. Uh, Black people are uh, treated very much as uh, the Vietnamese people or any other colonized people because we're used, we're brutalized. The police in our community occupy uh, our uh, area, our community as a foreign troop occupies territory. And the police are there not to, uh, in our community, not to uh, promote our welfare or uh, for our security and our safety, but they're there to contain us, uh, to uh, brutalize us and murder us uh, because they have their orders uh, to do so. Frederica Newton is Dr. Newton's widow and former Black Panther Party member. She's made it her mission to keep his legacy alive by co-founding the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation, an educational organization that commemorates the Black Panther Party here in Oakland. The interesting thing about Frederica Newton, and one that may surprise you, is that she wasn't at all interested in activism until she met Dr. Newton after she returned home from college. I had avoided anything that had to do with the Black Panther Party. They were, I was intimidated. I didn't feel like I was, I I don't think I even had an Afro at the time. So I would avoid the street where they there was an office on Shattuck Avenue in Berkeley, very close to my house, and I'd deliberately walk across the street uh, to avoid their office. And right next door was a barber shop. It was AJ's Artistic Fingers, and all the pimps and hustlers used to get their hair done. So I avoided both of those, both of those establishments. But once I met Huey, he um, came to the house, and my house was filled with people as usual. And um, it kind of became clear that I hadn't interacted with him and I knew the polite thing to do would be to say something to him. I was a you know, host's daughter. And so I, of course, I didn't have anything politically relevant to ask him, but I was curious about who this guy was and what made him tick and how he survived that prison experience. So that's what I asked him. What was it like in prison? And his answer kind of threw me because it was it was vulnerable, it was thoughtful, and um, it wasn't at all like I had expected. And he told me it was very lonely. And it was something in that moment that, you know, just struck me. And my life kind of changed at that time. Not only is their story one of activism, but also of love and what that can look like when creating mutual aid programs like the free lunch program started by the Black Panther Party and the creation of the Oakland Community School in East Oakland, also known as the Black Panther School. Shortly thereafter, we um, started seeing each other and I became acquainted with the school that I later found out was a Panther School and had fallen in love with the kids and started working there soon after. 
was actually my love for children that initially drew me there. I was working at uh, a coffee bar at a co-op and the, ki the kids used to come in with their cans and their paper and the can said donation to the free breakfast for school children program and they were selling the Black Panther Party newspaper. So they come in and I had my own free food program there. I was giving away all the food at the coffee, the coffee bar and fell in love with the kids. Soon after that it was a free clinic. It was a it was the programs that and I noticed the sacrifices of the the party members who were all really young. They were all I was 19 and it was kind of the average age. So I was around peers that were my age and saw the dedication, which was very familiar to me. You know, it's what I grew up around. So it was it was all very familiar. I felt welcomed. I felt, you know, there were very polarized times during that time. And my mother was white and my, you know, my father was black. So the fact that I was, um, was welcomed in this organization that, you know, I didn't know that I would be, uh, was also another thing. My, my mother was very close to Huey. Huey was very close to my brother. So Huey felt like family and the party became like family as well. Newton says the party's programs provided aid to communities that often were neglected, and they inspired the creation of the National School Lunch Program in this country and influenced other programs worldwide. One of the main things is the, the love that we had for the children. These weren't, the Samuel Napier Youth Institute was a precursor to the Oakland Community School, which became renowned worldwide for their approach to education. So the Youth Institute was um, mainly to educate party members and some community members. So before school even started in the morning, we fed children from the community. So um, I think what I remember most about that experience was the love and the dedication. You had grown men cooking grits in the morning at five o'clock, you know, to feed children before they went to school. And in terms of the curriculum, it was structured, but we allowed children to think. I've heard this from more than one person that said that we were we we were taught how to think as a result of that experience. So there was it was structured, but it allowed uh, flexibility and and a lot of creativity. Um, the children were allowed to follow their own passion at that age. And this is not I, you know I didn't have that experience in school, and they were taught the truth. They didn't just care about the child's education. It was it was approached holistically. They wanted if the kid's mother didn't have a job or their you know so it was it was a holistic approach to education that I, I haven't seen I haven't seen since. And these these particular children were not just surrounded by community, but it was like family because they lived there as well. So it was very communal. Um, and the children, there were a few children that came in from outside of the party, but they, you're right, they were, they were embraced and loved by people who came from their communities. But despite the amount of support the party provided, FBI-fueled misinformation was rampant, and journalists criticized the party without truly understanding what the organization was doing for Black communities. The FBI's counterintelligence program, better known as COINTELPRO, was a series of illegal and covert projects conducted by the Federal Bureau of Investigations. One of its many targets was the Black Panther Party. COINTELPRO's anti-Panther initiatives became deadly for many Black Panther members, most notably for the deputy chairman of the party and chair of the Illinois chapter, Fred Hampton, in Chicago. 
And while Newton says historians always have gotten the party's mission right, COINTELPRO's influence on the media clouded its ultimate message and efforts. I think media is now coming around because media see exactly what you're like what you're doing here is trying to set the record straight because media has um, maligned the party and um, I can't remember what the percentage was but there's just a high percentage of the articles after some research was done recently that um, about the party that was influenced by the FBI and COINTELPRO. So I think now people are more hungry or hungry for this the real truth about the Black Panther Party, uh, to know that the Black Panther Party, even my own misconception as a young person was that the Black Panther Party was built off of a mission of love, you know, love for the community. Um, the party was not racist, which is um, a huge misconception, which was promoted by the media. The historians got it right, but the you know, the, the media didn't. So now people, the, the public is hungry for this knowledge. Young people are hungry. And they, um, these movements, now a lot of them are based on what the, the Black Panther Party did. So yeah, none of these stories were, were told um, in the media. So it's changing. Um, and that's exactly why this foundation has been so important through our mission of public art and um, working very closely with participant media this past year and promoting films like Judas and the Black Messiah. We want to see more, more of this um, work being done to set the record straight. We're coming on the anniversary of the renaming of the street, which Huey took his last breath. It was Dr. Huey P. Newton Way. And this February, which is will be his 80th birthday. We'll be celebrating that as well as the um, first and only permanent public art piece here in Oakland to even commemorate the legacy of the party. Young activists have taken to the streets in protest over the last few years, but Newton notes they need to look forward with love and that channeling hate will not help the social justice movement progress. Know about our contributions and our struggles, our successes and our failures, that um, our ability to stand up and fight, the courage that it took, and that they were young. You know, we weren't old. Back then they say you can't trust anybody over 30. Um, but they also need to know the accurate history. It, the, these kids, I mean, they're doing it. I'm super proud of what, I live very close to to where a lot of the protests are. So I see I see who makes up those crowds. I see the coalitions out there and it's it's brought me to tears. Um, but they need to know that it can't be done out of hate. We did this from pure love and that's one of the misnomers. I mean, that's what the government was most afraid of, I think, the fact that it was a foundation of love, that these young men and women put their lives on the line out of love for their community. It gives me chills to even think about it right now. What was uh, Huey saying? Love. Oh, I think what motivates people is not great hate, but great love for other people. You know, he often wrote about love. He wrote a book of poetry with Erica Huggins, and it was love is more constant than light. So Huey's focus was on love, it wasn't on hate. And um, that's what this Black Panther Party was rooted in. The Bay Area has had a special relationship with protests, and that perseverance has pushed the Oakland community forward. 
but I know that it's it's evident when you step outside this area how special how special Oakland is in that way. We just fight. I mean, it's a scrappy town, and we just we just it's just in us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. As like a multiracial, Afro-Latino, and queer person, um, intersectionality is really important to me. That's Justin Scott Douglas, a young Black activist and recent University of Chicago graduate. And I think just the way that society is going, we're like, that's only going to increase. We're going to just realize that people's identities intersect more and more. And, you know, we all contain multitudes, as it were. And so I think that's going to be like, the reality of all sort of advocacy work moving forward is that it's not just going to be we're advocating for like one specific identity or one specific community, but there's always going to be those intersections um, that we have to include in our advocacy. So I think that's just like any young person looking to sort of be an activist, um, I think first can can look to their own intersectional identities. Um, and see how their experiences and their narratives sort of um, kind of contribute to like these broader causes. From Julian Bond, who taught at several colleges, including Harvard, and his cohorts with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, to the schools that were central to the work of the Black Panther Party in the Bay Area, education is and always has been a core focus of Black activist work. Looking to the future, educational programs continue to encourage activism from new generations. In Chicago, the Black Star Project was created to close the racial academic gap that fuels inequity in the city. It also runs empowerment programs in communities of color. Douglas serves as the program director of the nonprofit. He tells us how his team is working to create change with education and to empower young Black Chicagoans. The main reason why I decided to come work for the Black Star Project was as a student, I'd had a lot of opportunities to um, advocate uh, in, in my communities. Um, I served in student government. I started an organization um, which was a Black Student Union for graduate and professional students. And I was looking for organizations that would sort of allow me to continue to um, sort of cultivate those those experiences and skills. Um, and Black Star has and always will be that um, for, for people that work there. Um, it's a very collaborative, um, sort of all hands on deck sort of place where 
um, people can come in and, and support ideas, initiatives, and programs that um, sort of center around this idea of, of uplifting the Black community, supporting um, youth, investing in educational programs. So that, that really appealed to me. What I also liked about it was that it did have sort of this sort of flexibility where as a, a new employee, as, as a recent graduate, I could come in and and my sort of ideas and passions would be taken seriously and supported and, and cultivated so that they, they could come into fruition. Um, just this past year, I started um, my own youth mentorship program through the Black Star Project, um, which works with um, middle school and high school youth, um, pairs them with a, a mentor of color from the University of Chicago, um, and they go through programming to to learn different life skills and and how to think about taking next steps after school. And I don't think I would have been able to do that anywhere else, but it's because Black Star continually sort of advocates for people to to pursue these ideas and, and provide support and encouragement and the resources to do so. I think it's a great place for for advocates to to pursue their ideas um, and have them have them. Um, develop into something real. To continue the legacy of Black history and the fight for civil rights, Douglas says today's activists must look to the leaders of the past. Maybe because Chicago just has such a long history of social justice activism. Um, you think about these big names in in uh, the the cause for civil rights and racial justice like uh, Frederick Douglass, Ida B. Wells, even like Martin Luther King, Fred, uh, Fred Hampton, uh, all these people came through Chicago or were from Chicago. Um, and Chicago has had its own long storied history of uh, civil rights advocacy and, and like the opposite end of, of segregation and, and racism. And so I think maybe a contributing factor is that it's kind of baked into the culture here as has always been the tradition of activism and social justice, it's always looking back to the work done by those that came before you. I think we really saw this in the youth activism that took place in the summer of 2020, when we were looking back to the civil rights leaders like John Lewis um, and Martin Luther King and, and hearing stories about like Fred Hampton and, and all of these leaders from, from many years ago and looking to their example um, to emulate in kind of our own way now. At the same time, today's activists have new tools at their disposal, and those tools come with new challenges. What stands out to me as a main difference, and I think it is a double-edged sword, but I think that access to social media is something that sets this generation apart from activists in those that come before. Um, I think it's it's a positive thing because we're able to get messaging out faster and we're able to be aware of um, injustices and and movements and, and, and goings on around the world at a much faster rate. And so we're, we're much more tuned in. And if people want to join those movements or be informed about those issues, it's much easier to do so. However, on the flip side, I mean, social media can also be like a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Social media can be um, 
a very negative space. Um, and there are, it can be very harmful and triggering, um, and it can um, perpetuate a lot of false information and a lot of false news. Um, I think also, unless you're able to sort of use these social media platforms and have a familiarity with them and have the confidence to sort of speak out, um, there's also the pressure of, of needing to present your advocacy ideas in a way that is like palatable to like the a social media audience. I mean, I think that can also be detrimental, whereas maybe back in like the 60s, um, one could sort of be an advocate in a way that didn't require like fluency in social media platforms. Um, but I think that's almost necessary today. For Douglas, finding the positive side of these new challenges is essential to the future of activism and the fight for equality. I think the the cause for racial justice and equity has been going on for for so long. I think like those those issues will always remain. I think now, sort of in 2022, I I personally feel like there needs to be a focus on like how do we sort of continue advocating for justice from like the many many generations of wrongs that have like kind of created all of these obstacles for the black community like how do we still seek justice for that but then how do we also like in our advocacy create space for black joy for black healing for narratives that aren't about trauma and harm, but like also but like how how we're thriving and how we're succeeding, how we're moving forward. Um, but it, it's a very nuanced conversation because you can't just leave the other stuff behind because those wrongs haven't been righted yet. Um, we're still like we have yet to sort of see any sort of substantive, efforts towards reparations for the Black community as a whole. Um, we have yet to really like address sort of the intergenerational harm and like and mass incarceration and, and all of these, these major issues that the Black community still faces. But I think we can't get bogged down um, in just those things. I think there also has to be an equal narrative of how is the Black community thriving how are we sort of creating opportunities and what what good are are we doing as well as he sees it young activists have an abundance of choice when it comes to creating change and i'm definitely not the first person to say this but i think like everyone can be an advocate in their own way i mean i think that's something really important to to keep in mind on social media it might be easy to sort of think like oh in order to be an advocate i need to like protest or I need to sort of like do this thing but like that's not like that's not where I'm comfortable so I can't do anything I think there are like an infinite number of ways of being an advocate be it just like talking with your family talking with your friends posting on social media attending protests attending like local government meetings like I don't know going going to school and 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 learning about different perspectives I think all of those ways and more are are valid ways of being an advocate. I think the one thing you shouldn't do is just think that you can't do anything. 
On Thursday, February 18th, close to 100 people gathered at the intersection of Mandela Parkway and Dr. Huey P. Newton Way to commemorate Dr. Newton's 80th birthday and to kick off the first day of the fifth annual Black Solidarity Week. It's the birth of one of the greatest freedom fighters that the world has ever known. And so we chose to start Black Solidarity Week on his birthday. Those attending included Solidarity Week organizers, Community Ready Corps, West Oakland residents, photojournalists, riders with the Oakland Black Cowboy Association, and dancers and drummers from Bay Area Youth Arts stepping up to call on the ancestors. We all we got. We all we got. We all we got. If we fight together, we can stand the weapon. If we fight together, we can stand the weather. If we stand together, we can win whatever. In front of the bronze bust of Dr. Newton by artist Dana King, his widow, Frederica Newton, whom we heard from earlier, stepped up to the microphone. With allies across the country and the world, the nation, and with young people doing really great things in the name of making things better for their communities, that for sure would make Huey a proud octogenarian today. Do you all feel the presence of the Black Panther Party today? Do you? Do you feel the party today? Because I do. Because I really, really do. I feel it when I stand on this street that was named Dr. Huey P. Newton Way just one year ago, right here. And we did that. We all did that. And I feel it when I look at the city exploding with murals and art and events celebrating the party. It makes me so proud. And I look at this plaza and the statue of Huey the widow of murdered Black Panther Party chairman Fred Hampton, Akua Njeri, who also was a part of the Illinois chapter of the party, then spoke on the legacy of the Black Panthers and was gifted with a painting of the late Hampton. A car caravan followed, led by a procession of dancing and live New Orleans jazz from the MJ's Brass Boppers Second Line Band. A line of cars followed to Defemory Park and ended in front of the house named after murdered Black Panther Party member Bobby Hutton. Two inflatable screens were set up for a showing of the 2021 film Judas and the Black Messiah about the FBI infiltration of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. An ill-timed sprinkler system shut the event down, but Fred Hampton Jr., son of the late Hampton, and the president and chairman of the Black Panther Party Cubs, was there to pass out free food to anyone who wanted it. Events like these, public art, protests, and the teaching of Black history ensure that those crucial stories of the past live on. And from the creation of the Black Panther Party to student activists fighting environmental racism and the recent strikes against the closing of schools in Oakland, young people continue to be at the forefront of social change. In a 1968 interview with The Movement, Dr. Huey P. Newton said that, quote, the revolution always has been in the hands of the young. Former Panther Carol Grandinson at this week's block party in West Oakland had a message for them. And so don't give up, don't be discouraged, don't let anything stand in the way of you and your ideas, no matter what they are. Move forward, be happy, come out of a place of, first of all, within yourself, 
know who you are. So continue your efforts, continue your work. You will see people follow you as you manifest what you believe in. And don't give up. Sometimes you stand alone. Sometimes you go home and cry. You're so exhausted and you ask yourself, is it worth it? It's worth every minute. Keep doing the work. Keep loving each other. Keep standing by each other. Just keep keep it moving forward. We have a lot to do. Yes. Check out the Black Panther Party Mini Museum, owned and curated by Jill Christina Vest, and the West Oakland Mural Project, designed by Rachel Wolf Goldsmith at Center and Ninth Streets. This episode of Connect the Dots was written and produced by Odyssey's Lauren Berry and KCBS Radio's Sydney Fishman, with editing, mixing, and mastering by KCBS Radio's Mallory Samara, who also is the show's executive producer. Subscribe to Connect the Dots and listen to past episodes by heading to the Odyssey app or Apple and Google Podcasts. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Melissa Kalross. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.